Hi, and welcome to the Midlife Feast, the podcast for women who are hungry for more in this season of life. I'm your host, Dr. Jen Salib Huber. I'm an intuitive eating dietitian and naturopathic doctor, and I help women manage menopause without dieting and food rules. Come to my table, listen and learn from me, trusted guest experts in women's health, and interviews with women just like you. Each episode brings to the table juicy conversations designed to help you feast on midlife. And if you're looking for more information about menopause nutrition and intuitive eating, check out the Midlife Feast community, my monthly membership that combines my no-nonsense approach that you all love to nutrition with community so that you can learn from me and others who can relate to the cheers and challenges of midlife. All right. Hi, everyone. Hi, Deanna. Hello. So we're back for the second kind of Q&A. So if you need a recap of what these Q&A episodes are all about, um, we'll put the link to the first episode in the show notes, which kind of describes how this uh, came to be. So, but I am being interviewed in these. Deanna is reading some questions that we received from um, people in midlife asking, how can I help make menopause nutrition easier? So let's get right to it. All right. Okay. So this first question is something I personally relate with a lot, but um, basically how do we keep eating healthy during the mood swings that happen in midlife, perimenopause, menopause, as I am such an emotional eater, an emo eater, as they wrote. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, okay. So let's talk about what's happening with mood in midlife. So we do know that Um, mood symptoms, whether that's anxiety, depression, irritability, or just mood swings or PMS, we do know that there's more of that in perimenopause especially. But we don't actually have a lot of data to say that they create cravings for particular foods. So Uh it's not like, oh, I'm angry, I need chocolate. Uh But what we do know about emotional hunger is that emotional hunger is the strong and intense desire to eat for reasons other than physical hunger. And having been through it, I can definitely attest to that emotional hunger being created by these mood swings. So whether we're talking about like mental rage, which is, you know, that Mm -hmm. eruption of anger that so many people can relate to, but there's just, there's so many things that are happening around perimenopause, whether it's being in the sandwich generation, whether it's being busy with like, whether you have kids or not, whether you have, you know, aging parents or not, whether you have a career outside the home, whatever it is, this is a really busy time of life. And we tend not to have a lot of time for ourselves. We tend not to be able to prioritize our own self-care as easily. We tend to be really busy until we crash. And mm-hmm. all of those are kind of perfect recipes for emotional hunger. So what I try and, and get people to see is that food should be a source of pleasure, mm-hmm. right? There is a reason why we want more of the things that taste good. Yep. So recognizing, welcoming food as pleasure And really kind of, instead of focusing on just like the quote unquote healthy part, trying to reframe that so that you can ask yourself, how can I make my meals and my opportunities for eating more satisfying, more enjoyable, more pleasurable? Maybe that's like setting the table so that you actually Mm -hmm. have like 
you know, the nice China out, or if it's a nice day, it's eating outside or eating with a friend, or even just putting on like music that you enjoy, really trying to find a way to create that pleasure and satisfaction, I think can enhance how we feel about the food that we're, we're eating at any time. And what people often find is that if they prioritize pleasure and satisfaction with meals, that the emotional hunger created by that pleasure deficit is reduced. So yeah. that would probably be kind of the first thing. And just to, you know, not to suffer. Like mood symptoms yeah. are very real. They can be very disruptive. They can be very, very uncomfortable. So um, just because they're normal does not mean that you have to suffer. And um, yeah, try, try and get some help because that will ultimately help to reduce the emotional hunger too. That's such good advice. I think for me, when you were, I think you just recently were talking about the the choice to meal plan as a way of taking care of yourself versus a way to count and track. For me, meal planning is the way that I, I curb some of these um, responses that I have when mood swings. Cause I've always struggled with like paying attention to my hunger cues. And then I just crash because I was like, wait, what just happened? And now I'm, I'm falling out. And so when I'm excited that I have chicken salad and some chips and, you know, something to look forward to, yeah. um, then I will absolutely eat. But if there's just not any options, I'm just going to skip the meal again. And that always leads to a bad situation. So and I tell people to do that all the time, especially yeah. people who work from home. Like mm-hmm. people who work from home tend to make lunch an afterthought because they're just like, oh, yeah. I'll just find something. I'll just grab yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. But if there's nothing that you want to grab, you will either not grab it or you'll eat uh-huh. something unsatisfying and then you'll still be left wanting something later. Yep. Um, and I just um, wanted to add too, I just remembered that there is a entire food and mood and mood and there's two modules. There's a food and mood and a mood and menopause module in the midlife feast community that can give everyone kind of, you know, if people are looking for more information, that's yeah. a great place to start because not only does it explain what's happening, but it also gives mm-hmm. you some of the kind of things that you can do with food and otherwise to support your mood and menopause. Yep. I love that. Okay. Um, next question. This person would love some help figuring out ways to not use food as a numbing or coping mechanism. I feel like this is a lifelong problem. And now that I feel like I don't have any control over the way my body looks, it seems even more prevalent. Oh my goodness. Again, super, super relatable. Um, are we are programmed our brain is programmed to avoid pain and seek pleasure. Mm-hmm. And if you think of a little Venn diagram and you have like three circles, we have avoid pain in one, seek pleasure in the other, and use the least amount of energy in the third. So we get into these patterns of when I feel uncomfortable feelings, which is emotional hunger, your brain doesn't want to think about how to fix it. It doesn't want to think about the solution. It just wants to stop feeling that feeling. So in the moment that you are doing that, I always like to remind people that it, they are practicing self-care. It doesn't right. feel like it after the fact, but in the moment, you are actually taking care of a need that needs to be met. So mm-hmm. having some self-compassion for that, trying to remove some of the the blame and the shame and the guilt mm-hmm. from it, because that's so often what I hear. Right. And really, I think just pressing pause and 
understanding that calling it emotional eating isn't my favorite thing to do. And people have probably Mm -hmm. heard me say that before because it really focuses on like the end behavior and it feels like it's blamey. It's Mm -hmm. like, oh, I was emotional and I ate, so I was emotional eating and that's bad. Mm -hmm. And instead trying to understand that, okay, if I have this really uncomfortable feeling, I can't ignore it. It's just like needing to pee. Like I'm going to have to go pee at some point. So, you know, (laughs) like the more we try and ignore it, the more we feel it and the more uncomfortable it gets. So learning to press pause in those moments is a skill that we teach Mm -hmm. as part of that intuitive eating framework. Um, You know, we call it either reactive eating or emotional hunger, Mm -hmm. but learning to press pause in a way that doesn't feel like you're saying no is a key intuitive eating skill that it absolutely can be learned. Like people think, "Uh uh-uh, nope, never going to work. And they're shocked at once you have a bit more background and support and just like Mm -hmm. the tools to make that happen, how, I don't want to say it's easy because it's not always easy, but it actually feels like you're taking care of yourself. And because it feels good, Um, And this isn't about control because it often Mm -hmm. still includes the food, but it's really about pressing pause and trying to tune in. Um, It it just feels good. So there definitely are things that you can do. And especially if you're feeling uncomfortable in your body and if you're having a lot of emotional hunger that is coming up and if reactive eating is a pattern that you have had, you know, to cope with these feelings for a long time, like don't feel like you have to do it on your own. Like there's, you know, that's the kind of thing that that's what professionals do. That's what, you know, certified intuitive eating counselors do is we teach people to understand exactly what's happening and why, and give them the tools and support to make changes that, that feel good. And it can't happen overnight. No. So, yeah. And I think one of the first steps for me in that process was just like paying attention to my self-talk and... Mm. I feel like anytime I've had like a really powerful session with like a therapist or a friend, the best thing that they said was, wow, you must really be hurting, you know, and just like validation, the validation sit with that, you know, and like if we could, you would say that to your friend, but do you say that to yourself in that moment? I mean, if we could just, if I can just practice that and get really good at saying that to myself, how much farther, you know, would I be in that, in that process? But self-compassion always makes it feel safer. Yeah. And especially with, um, you know, with emotional eating and reactive eating, there's so much shame that people Mm -hmm. don't want to actually, they often don't want to admit to anyone that they're doing this because there is so much shame Mm -hmm. around it, which is why I always bring it back to in the moment it is self-care. So give yourself a pat on the back for that Mm -hmm. and give yourself permission to explore something new without the guilt, you know, um, because yeah, guilt's a terrible motivator. Definitely. Well, on top of that, just more generally speaking, someone said, I just, I just want the, the freedom to eat and not feel guilty. Like, what do you do with that? Is so that one of the, it is hundred percent possible. So one of the foundational principles of intuitive eating is that we all have unconditional permission to eat. Again, I've said this a thousand times that we have to eat every day. We have to make decisions about eating multiple times a day, often for other people. And yes. so, you know, this unconditional permission to eat has to be the foundation. And 
Guilt and shame are terrible motivators. We know this from decades of psychological research. You can't hate yourself into a body that you love. You can't hate yourself into taking care of yourself. You will not feel better for trying to beat yourself up. And if you're experiencing guilt after eating, what is it that you feel guilty about? Because we have to eat. Mm-hmm. So don't feel guilty for doing that. That would be like, would you feel guilty for going to the bathroom? Do you feel guilty mm-hmm. for sleeping? Do you feel guilty for breathing? Like mm-hmm. we have to do this. And then is it about the particular food? Are there food rules that maybe are creating that that dissonance of like, oh, I shouldn't be eating this or may I should be eating something else. So if there's cognitive dissonance and the shoulds are showing up, yep. that that's definitely, I think, a good place to start is kind of identifying like, what are the food rules that are on repeat? And are they actually serving you in the way that you want them to? Yeah. Um, and it really comes down to the permission versus restriction mindset, I think. Mm-hmm. So permission to eat doesn't mean permission to eat all the time. Mm-hmm. It means permission to say yes to the things that you want and need and enjoy, but also permission to say no. If you aren't hungry, yeah. don't want it, don't find it satisfying. Mm-hmm. But when all of your decisions about food have been made from a restriction or a scarcity mindset, Anytime you're presented with the opportunity to eat something that tastes good or that is fun food, it's very hard to say no, even if you're not hungry, because the reward of having it is right in front of you. Mm -hmm. And your brain has really terrible FOMO if it thinks it's not going to have it again anytime soon. So unless it's actually something that you can't have on a regular basis, you probably really do have permission to say no, if you don't want it, aren't hungry or for whatever reason, but you also have permission to say yes. Yeah. So that permission piece, I think is how we get rid of the guilt around eating. And if we can get rid of the guilt around eating, then the shame will start to find its way out the door too. Uh, I think that's so true. I think that often shows up, especially just in, we talk about like food being a part of so many just celebrations, cultural traditions, like, and wanting to partake in all of that and not think through that and overthink, I guess, overthink that is, is just super relevant too. Yeah. We eat for all kinds of reasons. Um, and that has to include eating for reasons other than physical hunger. hundred percent. Yay. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Tiana. Absolutely. And, um, and we'll be back with another three questions in a few episodes. But if you love these Q&A style episodes, let us know. Either send us a message, send me send me a, a message on Instagram or leave a review and tell us that you love these Q&A episodes. And, uh, and if you love them, we'll do more of them. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Midlife Feast. For more non-diet health, hormone, and general midlife support, click the link in the show notes to learn how you can work and learn from me. And if you enjoyed this episode and found it helpful, please consider leaving a review or subscribing because it helps other women just like you find us and feel supported in midlife.